Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas here on Sunscrap Nation's post-fight breakdown, if you will, uh, post-scrap analysis. Uh, today we'll be going over UFC 255, going over all the fights there, winners, losers, yada, 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 what comes next, and then I'll go over the I'll go over whatever's in the news in the MMA world. I know there's a couple of fights that got pulled. Then the UFC 256 card starting to look real good. And at the very end of it, I will just give a preview of the fight night this weekend, which is Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis for for a Thanksgiving style matchup. Big boys, you know. And you also have Hanatom Kanya making a return, but at lightweight against Rafael Fis. I think he actually had one fight. At, yeah, his last fight was at lightweight. He submitted Demir Hadzovic. Submission's very good. And being a little bit bigger uh, makes sense. And then Rafael Fis is Rafael Fis is the Fis 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 F I Z I E V. Anyway, he's a kickboxing coach at Tiger Muay Thai. I've taken his class. It's very, very good. He's a very good coach. Um, he's got some tricky things. He understands the concept of tempo and rhythm very well and offsetting pace. So as far as having a fighter IQ, very high. And that makes for a good co-main event to see where he is. He's 8-1, and one, but his last fight against Mark DeCasey was phenomenal. And we'll see how his striking level is compared to Hinato Moikanya's ground attack. Like, as far as trying to go for a takedown, being long, pretty sure he's taller than he uh, Yeah, he's taller than he is by a little bit. It says that Rafael is 5'7". Okay. Um... But before we get started, go to SouthernScrapNation.com. It's got everything there. You can also go to Southern Scrap Nation on all your podcasts, podcasting app, uh, Google Play, Spotify, all those different areas. It's got all the podcasts right here on SouthernScrapNation.com. So if you just want to head over to that website, you can listen to that. You got some pictures of me, um, places I've been. Some there's some videos here. You can do counters of checking counters off checking a kick, slipping the jab, setting up a double leg takedown, the GSP technique. I have to give you a breakdown of the straight GSP technique. The in and out Chinese run the double leg. You got switch to the single leg. You got a bunch of stuff. You got a body lock takedown. You got a got, got some good stuff there. And uh, there'll be some there'll be actual yeah, you have like actual classes and stuff, and you'll have a way of getting in contact with me. It's going to be Daniel Jonas at SouthernScrapNation.com will be the email. And yeah, the also the the names under these photos will change. Um, maybe I'll even add more. I don't know. I don't know. Well. We'll sand it down. It looks good for right now, but we'll 
we'll finish out the edges and stuff. Because speaking of Valentina, there's a picture of me with the with the champ on there. So go check that out. So that'll segue us into what happened this past weekend at USC 255. We had a bunch of fights. Shoutouts in the prelims to Alan Joban for getting a back-and-forth decision win over Jared Gooden. That was a hell of a fight. Called the caucus looking great. And then in the prelims, Nicholas Dalby getting a decision win over Daniel Rodriguez. Just the kicking game was a little bit there. Uh, it kind of offset the striking. I really like Daniel Rodriguez. Um, but Nicholas Dalby just coming off of a loss to... It was a draw against Jesse Ronson. Or something. And then he beat... Yeah, he kept beat Cowboy. Yeah, so... He had a weird fight against Jesse Ronson. And then... So he comes back and gets a win. He's, I mean, he's looked good coming back to the UFC, especially at welterweight and not at middleweight. No, scratch that. Not at middle. Just he looks better at welterweight compared to when he was because he used to, he fought Darren Till and all that, but he was he just wasn't the same guy. And Daniel Rodriguez is you know he was three and zero in the UFC. Big prospect. And then you have the first Shevchenko sister coming in with a TKO KO, and we're gonna see couple of these. I mean, obviously they're not, they're flyweights, so they're 125 pounds, but she TKOs on her Ariane Lipsky using just amazing ground control, ground control, similar to a sister in most of her sister's fights, like where she gets the crucifix. She was trying to get the crucifix from half guard, just trying to take away the weapons. It's not traditional jujitsu ground control. It's just how a striker would envision holding someone on the ground so they could punch them. Like I said, it's not, and I'll get into it with the Valentina Shevchenko takedowns. It's not traditional shit, but for a forward pressure in and out striker, it makes the most of sense. So that's why their ground control is very good because it's kind of unorthodox, but it works. It's a dominant performance from Antonina Shevchenko. And then you had middleweight Joaquin Buckley versus Jordan Wright, which the UFC did something fucking ridiculous. Like, before they even fought, they paused the action to replay Joaquin Buckley's knockout. Like, my guys, I know it's an extremely good knockout, and we all love it. It's some fucking Mortal Kombat technique. It's, it's straight off of a video game. I understand that it's crazy. But the guy's not even ranked in the middleweight division. He's there's no. He thank God he got a, a knockout of Jordan Wright, but he's never going to live up to that knockout. Like that's not going to happen again. Well, not specifically that technique. Like there's a possibility that someone holds the kick and then he tries to do it again. But what I mean is, this is one of those cases where. It's going to be very hard for Lightning to strike twice again. So why you need to develop a narrative outside the UFC is big. 
because his narrative now is just this knockout. But no one knows who Joaquin Buckley is. See, the Joaquin Buckley I know is the one that James Krause has been going around saying that he's not a great guy, yada, 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 da-da-da. So there's, there's a, calling him a bully and stuff. So there's, a, there's now another narrative of this guy that's not in a positive light. And obviously he wants to fight him now. He didn't even say James Krause's name. But that's why you got to stick in with the, with the MMA news. Because James Krause may be the next guy. But James Krause is a lightweight, man. At, at most, welterweight. He did fight at middleweight, but that's because he was coaching. And he stepped in short notice. Essentially no weight cut. But he's a lightweight. And Joaquin Buckley, a middleweight, is trying to fight him. I, I get it. And I'm not saying James Krause couldn't fight him. But one, you're going to have to do a little bit more. And two, it kind of seems bitch to call someone out that's like not in your wake. I know he was talking your name, but if you're not even going to say his name, don't even acknowledge him. You know what I mean? Like he's a smaller guy. So you should be like a... Uh, I don't even know what the character's name, but you, you pat the little guy on the head. Ah, ah, little man. Like, it's got to be like that. You just have to ignore it. But he's trying to call out a lightweight. That kind of seems bitch to me, to be honest. I don't know. I, I get you're trying to get a payday and you're building a rivalry, but you're going to fight James Krause in not good shape because he had to make middleweight. I don't know. Kind of seems like a solving in the gym kind of thing. You know what I mean? Don't need to make a card about it. Don't need to. Don't need to make a promotion about it. Don't need to spend money on the issue. Just go to the gym. All right, and then in the flyweight prelim main event, prelim headliner, you had Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval. Royval coming off of being a really interesting addition to the flyweight division and being an up-and-coming prospect with taking out Tim Elliott very in the second round very early on and then also defeating Kai Franca in a crazy fight at night. And that's why we thought this was going to be fight at night. But in the first round, Brandon Moreno, which numbers-wise... Brandon Moreno got two takedowns, and it was clearly going to be where he was going to dominate. Two submission attempts. Because he went into the twister position. He didn't go for this. He could have gone for the twister, but he was trying to keep that rear. He was trying to get the back. It was very good. Jiu-jitsu-wise, it was very jiu-jitsu-y. You know what I mean? Like, not wrestler but it was very it's like what's going on in my jiu-jitsu school like it, you kind of see the the trend of what's going on as far as the back goes and he's being very jiu-jitsu-y in that position and so i think that's where he was finding success and he knew that he, if he just got him to the ground he could probably submit him especially in the later rounds but he didn't need to Brandon Raval dislocated his shoulder i don't know fuck me i i don't know how it happened but he ended up having to tap or, you know, TKO goes down on us because he couldn't fight back. And then you got to watch 
Montoya's coach pop it back in. So being a, being a coach, I, I just like shot up and I looked and I was like, oh, do I have to learn how to relocate someone's shoulder? <laughs> Things to learn how to do as a coach. Fix a dislocated joint. I've only dislocated one joint. Well, no. I've dislocated a joint and fixed it. But that was my finger. And that's it. But I don't know. I I don't know if I could do someone else's shoulder. And it kind of looked like magic, too. He kind of just, like, touched his wrist and popped back into place. Shout out to Brandon Moreno because he immediately gains a title shot against Davis and Figueiredo. So, spoiler, Davis and Figueiredo wins. But, um, yeah, since first round win for Brandon, uh, Brandon Moreno, that means he comes off unscathed, no injury, ready to fight. And he's, he is the number one title contender, so he beats the up-and-coming guy and makes a statement. Now it's also better for him because he gets a full camp against Davison, even though the fight's the UFC 256. So he's got... Less than a month, but full camp, nonetheless. So, yeah. All right, now in the main of main card, we started off with Paul Craig finally beating Mauricio Shogun Hua. I know I bet against Paul Craig, but I was expecting Shogun to at least go in there. One last hurrah. But he looked like shite. Um, he also didn't, I mean, you could kind of see it from his interview. I don't know. Dana White said he looked like a shell of himself. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, Paul Craig just got him to the ground in the second, and that was the thing. Like, he got him to the ground in the second. Like, not to take away from Shogun, but if you're a light heavyweight, top 10 contender, you're taking Shogun out in the first round. The fact that Paul Craig had to wait, like, had to take him into the second round. You know, not, not the. I get that it was a, a, a rematch, but give him a better, give him, give him a fight that makes more sense. And then the flyweight division, you had Caitlin Chikagian versus Cynthia Cavillo. Caitlin Chikagian going out there and showing why she was number one in the first place. Jessica Andrade coming in and. Touching that body real quick in the first round. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the dislocated shoulder. Like, it sucks. You get it put back into place. If you could just get your air for a little bit, she could have come back and, you know, continued to fight. <coughs> it just, it's just one of those cases of, oh, man. You felt fine 20 seconds later. Just in that one moment, it gets you out of the fight completely. But she goes out there, just puts on a master class of boxing, using an educated jab, outstriking Cynthia Cavillo, even though Cynthia Cavillo was pretty close. Especially in the in the video. And I thought Cynthia was younger. It's not. She's not younger. And uh that'll play into the flyweight co uh flyweight co main event. 
I'll talk about that. But, yeah, uh, Caitlin looked phenomenal. She just kept the jab out there, um, right on her feet. She looked great, and that just shows the caliber that Valentina is because Valentina shut her game down completely, and she's the shorter fighter. She's about Cynthia's height. Cynthia couldn't take her down. Um, yeah, just crazy. Crazy good performance. And a short notice performance, too. And then in welterweight, you had Tim Neen's short notice performance against Mike Perry. And not that it was, he just, it's Styles McFights, right? And Tim Neen's a longer striker. And as much as Mike Perry used some takedown, I think it, he gassed himself out in the very beginning when he was going for that rear naked choke. I think he really gassed himself. And so the second round, Tim Means was able to pick up the pace and then just keep that pace going. So that to Means taking the fight on short notice, getting the win. Also, this is like Mike Perry's... Well, he won his last fight. To me, Mike Perry seems like a prize fighter, a guy that fights for literally money. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe if, I don't even think if he gets his head on straight, he could be champ at welterweight. There's a lot of discrepancies in his game that I don't know how he's ever going to. He's 29, so he's not old. He's coming into his prime, but like he would have to get past Jeff Neal and actually make it a competitive fight, that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a prize fighter. Just if you gear your mind that way and go, I'm not going to be champion, but I can make a lot of cash. Hey, time to bust that ass and make a lot of cash. Because you can go the Donald Cerrone route and just fight and fight and fight and fight. Um, especially if you don't want to make welterweight. Just go up to middleweight and just fight, 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 fight. You fight Robbie Lawler at middleweight. You can get a lot of, like, older welterweight guys to come in and fight middleweight. Could also fight some, you know, older middleweight guys. All right, well, in the co-main event, you had Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya. And, man, in that second round, I was like, God damn it. We should have put the $200 on Valentina. Because Jennifer Maya had her moment. She had it. And then it's like when you hit someone too hard in sparring, Valentina's like, all right, you think, you think you're going to take this from me? And she put it on her. But she had that moment. She had it. And she got a takedown. She, I mean, 94 strikes on Valentina. She was doing good. She was doing goo. She was killing it. But then Valentino just, like, turned it to overdrive. And she would do this thing. And Valentina, if, if you're a flyweight girl, you're taking some solace in this fight. Because you kind of saw some tendencies. Valentina likes to, sh- especially with, when she's southpaw. Like, when she, not when she's, when she's fighting an orthodox person and she gets to utilize southpaw. 
the left down the pipe, that rhythm, she's constant. She does that little bounce. And if you can just like offset her bounce, then she has to restart. Uh, her only real takedown is double underhooks. She does double underhooks tie trip. That's really only her only takedown. If you're a 125-pound girl, I'm learning all the counters to double underhook takedowns. And I'm learning... Well, one, part of the reason why those double leg takedowns and then control on the side works very well is because she gets her hands together. First off, you girls shouldn't be letting her get her hands together, period. But two... I feel like that's where you can really take advantage. And Jennifer Maya kind of did, right? She used her jiu-jitsu knowledge to, like, to not kind of a reversal, but used her size and her jiu-jitsu to anti-clench Valentina in a way. I could just get that second round. I mean, it was really only the second round, but if I could get that second round, that'd be sick. No. First round, she's on top. All right, so second second round. She uses the clench against the cage and holds her, and she gets the double underhooks. A Lauren Murphy who's kind of, who's that kind of body type and strong could hold someone like Valentina against the cage if you could. She takes her down. She kabeeps her legs. She does some ground and pound. Valentina almost gets... Valentina throws up enough submissions and, and is active enough off her back that it can kind of get discouraging. But then third round, yeah. She would just step off to the side and hit her with the left hand. I mean, Valentina or Jennifer did her... She was like, listen, girls, we just got to make it a fight. And then she kind of abandoned the game plan. But she was on the right... She was in the right direction to do it. Then she got tagged with the step off lefts, and what are you gonna do? Because she'll step off left hand, step off left hand, step off left hand, step off left kick, step off left hand, step off left kick. And then after you're done going, dun, 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 after taking all those shots, she step off, double underhooks, takedown. Don't say I didn't tell you. Don't say I didn't tell you that's her game plan. Um, but yeah, shout out to Valentina. She wants to do a trilogy fight with Amanda Nunes. Meh. Eh. I think she should fight Jessica and Drog first. Um, like, really, if she wants to be the best female 
flyway. She should do it now. And she just win a bunch, have an unbeatable title defense record, and be kind of like Demetrius Johnson for the ladies. So that way when it's like, yeah, but what about her losses to Amanda Nunes? Everyone goes, who gives a fuck? Look what she did at flyweight. And that's kind of everyone's sentiment with Demetrius Johnson. I could be the asshole at the party. He goes, yeah, but he lost to Dominic Cruz. And it's like, okay, who invited who invited Buzz Killington over here? You know? Who invited this guy? Who invited the factual? No one wants to talk. No one wants to talk about that. It's the same thing. Valentina should just dominate that whole division, beat every contender that comes up. And that way, when everyone's at a party debating best female fighters, and then you get specific, well, I think Valentino, she was arguably the best. Yeah, but what about her losses to Amanda Nunes? It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Amanda Nunes lost to Kat Zinganu. And then you can, you know, do that. But it's just one of those things where you just have to dominate so hard in one place where future champions are going to have an impossible task ahead of them. And uh, that can be your legacy. Being a double champ and beating the woman that beat you twice, to me, that, that, seems, like a, that seems like an ego trip more than a legacy builder. kind of just seems like, I got to get her back. You could. Or you could take the path of least resistance. But anyway, so then in May event, we had Davis and Figueiredo retaining his belt against short-nose replacement Alex Perez, which everyone thought maybe and knew with Alex Perez because of his wrestling and his pace and his ability to shut down the last guy that beat Davis and Figueiredo. But what I have to say to that is, Juicy Formiga is a little bit older, so I don't really take into consideration that fight. And um, goddamn, he's got a nasty guillotine. Almost as nasty as my guillotine. But nonetheless, a nasty one. And he hit it from the same position. I love to hit guillotines. So Davison Figueredo happens is they get into they get into the fight. And Alex Perez does exactly what Alex Perez needs to do. Closes the distance. And... Um, Tries to get that takedown. As he goes for it, Davidson jumps down and scissor take... Well, he just transitions to inside Ashi, but like a scissor takedown to the legs. Um, and he tries to attack the leg. Alex Perez does a good job of scrambling out. And as they scramble out, he tries to turn in. He grabs um, Davison's waist and tries to tight waist him back down to his back. And as his arms are occupied with his tight waist, Davison Figueredo throws in that guillotine. And we've seen before, a nasty guillotine. And he submits Alex Perez in the first round. Now, I thought he was going to hurt Alex Perez and then go for a submission guillotine that way. I thought that was going to be more the, the case, but no, it makes sense. Uh, Alex Perez is a very heavy wrestler, and the best defense against heavy wrestlers is just guillotines. Easy as pie. That or 
that are leg locks. They are very susceptible. Anyone with top pressure is very susceptible to guillotines or leg locks. And if you're a Danaher guy, you know the transition from legs to head. And also the the concept of if the head's not available, the legs are available. If the legs are available, the head's if the legs aren't available, the head's available. Conceptualize and visualize. So that being said, Davidson Figueredo holds on to the title and moves on to Brandon Moreno on, on December 12th. So that brings us to the news where Petr Jan and Aljamain Sterling have been canceled due to Petr Jan having issues, personal or uh, I don't know. I don't know. Dana White, Jessica Andrade, a real problem for Valentina Shevchenko. Who doesn't need to please critics? It's true. Jessica Andrade, I mean, she's already won the title. She's going up to flyweight because she feels better fighting at flyweight. Has nothing to, I mean, she does see herself being the champion there, but it's not, it's not like she's trying to become a champion. She already did it. She did it at a weight that was where she doesn't feel as good. So it's, it's exciting to see her just jump the line to number one and be this dog. The problem with the Valentina fight in this past fight is I don't think we're ever going to get the same odds ever again, which sucks because I would love to get those odds for the Jessica Andrade fight. If she's like negative 1,800, if Jessica Andrade was like minus 850 or minus 900, yeah, that, that'd be bananas great. Which you could argue because Joanna shut Jessica Andrade down and Valentina carries more power and is better technically than Joanna. So I think, you know, as much as she's a problem, you could, you could play the argument of, ooh, Valentina could get caught. So I think that's, that's ideal. That would be an ideal promotion. All right. I'm going to wrap this up soon um, just because 30 minutes in, you know. Cody Garbrandt also goes, uh, uh, talks about in details his health scares of blood clots and COVID and affect his tra training. And then he wants to come down. He had pneumonia. And he wants to fight for the title again. It's like, hmm, get a fight at 125 first. Cut, make 125, and then we'll see. Kayla Harrison getting a win at 145, but she goes on saying that she's against weight cutting. And, I mean, I bet she had a – I bet that weight cut sucked. Like, she's 155-er, and she had to go down to 145, and it's like – um. Oh, Alex Perez is going to be a dad. Congrats, Alex Perez.
Algernon Sterling speaking on Petrion getting pulled out. Figgy, Figgy Smalls. Um, I love it. Michael Chiesa's name, uh, Figgy Smalls for Davidson Figueredo. Um, he's gonna okay. So Shogun's gonna think about his career. Lauren Murphy arguing that she should fight next. Uh, Jessica Andrade. And then maybe Lauren Murphy. Um, so fights that got announced. Davidson Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira, the one holding the longest winning streak right now at lightweight. And Tony Ferguson trying to break that thing. A guy known for his win streaks. Hinata Moikanya versus Rafael Fis. Uh, Andrea Lee versus Jillian Robertson. That's a great fight. Jose Aldo versus Marlon Chito Vera. Great fight. And this is all... Oh, no, no, no. That's not even for that. Michael Pajeda versus Chaos Williams. And Pedro Munoz versus Jimmy Rivera. Awesome fight. Those are some great fights. Some fucking fantastic fights. Um, and like I said, this coming weekend is... Derek Lewis versus good old Curtis Blades. Greg Hardy versus Marcin Tabura. Leon Edwards versus Shimiyev. Uh Wonderboy versus Jeff Neal. Some great fights, man. This year's gonna I thought this year wasn't gonna end on a banger. It's ending on a banger. And don't forget this weekend, Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson on pay per view. All right, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. That's all I have for you, and good time to end because I'm about to grab the hiccups. Make sure to check out the podcast on SouthernScrapNation.com. Check it out everywhere else, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Google, or Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also check uh, all your listening apps, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, podcast app, SouthernScrapNation.com. As always, I've been your host, Daniel Jonas. Until Wednesday or Later on this week, when I break down UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Blades, stay safe and peace.